Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good to see all of you. Uh, I've seen, I saw most of you walk going through the breakfast line. It's, it's uh, good to see so many just friends and people coming back to church again, and it's good to gather. I love being together, and um, thank you to everybody involved um, just this morning helping us getting all the food ready. Really appreciate it. Um, I love having breakfast and food together. We are definitely a food church. Um, one of my, my after effects from COVID has been, I'm going to share with all of you now, I, I can't smell. Like my smell is gone. Oh, well, I smell. I only smell one thing, and I smell it the whole time. Hair products, like Redken hair products. It's all I smell. First, I thought maybe I'm using too much. Then I stopped using it. I washed my hair, stopped using it. No, still smell. I wake up in the middle of the night, all I smell is hair products. So even while I'm cooking breakfast, I'm thinking, yes, I wonder if this smells good. Because <laughs> all I can smell is, I know we had a pulled, that pulled pork was smoked for 24 hours. I'm like, I don't know if it's smoky or not, but um, <laughs> uh, it smells like hair products to me. Um, so anyway, so now that you know that, we are closer. Yeah, let me share a little bit with you. Okay, so, so I want to share with you this morning, um, this is our pre-Easter service, and um, uh, it's a foundational message. I think it's a message that, that uh, if you've heard it before, you need to hear it again and again and again and again and again, because this is the foundation that Christianity is built upon. If you've never been to church, you picked a good Sunday to come. Um, so... A few things that I want to clear up, first of all, is a few wives, you know, what do they call it? Old wives' tales. Old wives' tales. Um, uh, we, we say something different in Afrikaans. But, but here are a few things I want to uh, clear up for us to establish uh, just the basis. Now, if it's true, I want you to say true. And if you say it's not true, then say false, right? So is this true or false? We'll start with that. True or false. First, old wives' tale. Okay, swimming after eating will give you cramps to the capacity where you will die or you can drown. Is that true or false? False. Very good. You guys are in. Okay, next one. Chewing gum stays in your stomach for seven years. Do you know that your stomach actually cannot digest gum? But it passes through you, <laughs> which is great news. Okay, uh, next one. Coffee. Coffee stunts your growth. Ooh, we have a mixed, we've got a mixed boat. No, no, so, so here's the thing. That one, that one is false. The guy who first said it, <laughs> he had kids that became hyperactive every time they drank coffee. And he thought the best way for me to stop them drinking coffee is telling them they're not going to grow anymore. So it doesn't stop your growth, but it does help your kids not be hyperactive. So, so use it, don't use it. Um, this is a good one, and I think we're going to have very mixed emotions about this one. Human urine heals jellyfish stings. Ah, false. It does nothing besides make your legs stink. That's all. Warm water, 20 to 40 minutes. It's all you're supposed to do. If you've ever been stung by jellyfish, that's all you're supposed to do. Okay, here's another one. Sitting too close to the TV will ruin your eyesight. How many of you heard that when you were young? <laughs> How many of you can't see? Yeah. Okay. Uh, true or false? 
false. It just makes your eyes tired. Uh, th this is a very recent one. <laughs> oh, should I use it? Okay, here we go. Being double vaccinated will cause you not to get COVID. <laughs> I, uh, well, well, it, uh, you can still get it, but it makes it less severe. Okay, okay. Uh, th th this, is, this, is a really, this is a really good one. Here's a, re <laughs> here's a really good one. We eat eight spiders a year in our sleep. They say while you're sleeping, your mouth is open and a spider crawls into your mouth eight a year. Thank God that's false. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I do not want that one. Like, oh, I hate spiders. Okay. Okay, one last one. This leads into the message. When you, when you go to the cemetery, never walk over the graves. Don't step on them because your feet will rot off. And they will come after you that night. Yes, it is true. No, it's not. It's false. They only come after you the next night. Okay. Do, do you know, just regarding grave sites and graveyards, do you know that it's cheaper to buy your grave site, your, your grave now, than when it's going to be when you die? Do you know that it's cheaper now to buy it now instead of one day when you die? Yet... We don't buy it. We don't go and buy it because people think if I have it, I might use it. <laughs> people do. They're like scared. They're scared of death. Um, most of us, most of us grown-ups, most of us growing up, we're scared of death. Death is a fear that most people have. But did you know it's not the number one fear in the world? The number one fear in the world is public speaking. I would rather die than speak in public. It's the number one fear in the world, which is crazy. Number one fear in the world. Okay, so, so here's some more things regarding death. Um, yeah, welcome to church. We're going to talk about death this morning because, because uh, we, we're going towards Easter and we have to figure out what's the purpose of Easter. Why are we celebrating a man dying? So we have to understand death. So, so even though uh, for some of us, death is only our number two in our fear, fear factor emotions, death is the most consistent fear that people have. Most consistent fear in the world. All religions in the world, no matter what religion you think about, are built upon death. What happens when you die? The, the what happens question. After I die, where do I go? What happens to me? What's going to become of my body? What becomes of my spirit? Um, in Africa, um, the, the Khoi people, they speak like this. They speak just with click sounds. They're the hardest language in the world. Um, and they believe that you have to be buried in a specific position with your head pointing in an exact, exact direction, because if it's not exact, then your spirit's not able to pass on to the next life. And they've got a they've the full religion. The, the whole clan believes it. Some say based on how you live will determine where you go after you die. Were you a good person? Were you a bad person? Some faiths say it will determine what you come back as. When I die, am I going to come back as a... Um, a better person or like in, in the Hindu belief, come back as a, as a cow. 
holy animal. We were in India um, quite a few years ago, and I remember driving from, from the airport to the hotel, and the traffic just stopped. And, it's, and we stood still for an hour, but there was nothing happening. And we asked the guy, oh, what's going on? He said, well, there's a cow on the road. I said, I can go move it. And he said, no, it's holy animal. It's like we don't touch the cow. This is what we want to come back as, holy animal. So, so that's some religions. Religions in the world are based on death. Number three, and this is a big one. No matter how important you think you are, death wins. There's nobody who's escaped it. None of us are going to escape it. Uh, number four, no one can resist death. We can perhaps prolong it. We can... Um, um, take, go on medications, we can go on treatments, we can do things like that, but no one can escape it. Number five, and, and this is the one that I, I probably think I like the most, death makes all men equal. Meaning, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, um, an engineer, a president, a prime minister, um, a teacher, a Starbucks barista, a nanny, uh, a pastor, a preacher, um, whatever you do in life, when we die, death puts us all at the same level. Mostly six feet under or ash. But we all go back to the same spot. Nobody is greater in death. There's no greatness in death. Now, next week, I want to say this again, it's Easter. So, so allow me to just speak towards why it is important for us to understand why Jesus had to die. Why are we Christian? Why are we celebrating what we celebrate? See, see, the foundation of Christianity, it is not the behavior of Christians. Our foundation is not how we behave as Christians. The foundation of Christianity is not answered or unanswered prayers. Our foundation for what we stand on isn't on um, having all the answers to life's questions. I can answer all the questions you've got going through your head right now. It's not the foundation of Christian faith. Our foundation, what we are built upon, if you remove this, you have no more Christianity, is what happened at Easter. And we need to know what Christ did for us and what was accomplished. Now, let me start with this question that I want you to think about. Where does death come from? Where does death come from? First thing, death was not created by the devil. Do you know that? Now for some of you are going, what? I'm sure the devil is the guy that's, that's doing the whole death thing. Well, according to the Bible, death was created by God. And how do we know this? Well, it says that, that death was created by God in the Garden of Eden. But death was created without power. When God created life, wherever there is life, death is present. When God created Adam, there was life. And when God created Adam with life in it, death was in Adam also. It was present. The only difference is death had no power. There was no power in death. It was powerless. It was switched off. Death was created without power. And in the book of Genesis, God is the one who introduces it to mankind. God's the first one that talks about death and dying. 
But we're also told that um, the man was the one that gave death power. It says in Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, He said to him, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I know some people have uh, this week received some questions just regarding why are we suffering for, for Adam's sins? Why are we still paying? Why did Jesus have to die 4,000 years, 6,000 years later for one man's sin? What is the reason for that? This is the reason. The reason is right here. Something was activated when Adam sinned. It says, the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. God introduces death for the first time. I'm convinced at that point when God said to Adam, you will certainly die. Adam was like, what's die? Haven't seen it. Don't know it. Never heard of it before. So death was present when Adam was there. When God created Adam and Eve, death was right there. It existed, but it was useless. It was powerless, couldn't do anything to mankind. And God told Adam, the day you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that is the day that you activate death and you will die. So who's speaking? We have God speaking. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to mankind. And what is he talking about? He's talking about death. So death exists in the garden, but Adam, Death cannot touch you unless you disobey me. This is important for us to know. Why did God have a tree in the garden that Adam could choose to eat from or not? This is where mankind's free will and choice comes in. Without having choice to serve him or not serve him, to obey him or to disobey him, without that choice there, we are not freely, we are not, Choosing to serve God because then we just become puppets. Then there's no choice to say yes to God or no to God. There has to be choice. So this, the reason the tree was there for Adam was so that Adam can choose to either disobey God or obey him. So death exists in the Garden of Eden, but Adam, death can't touch you. It's powerless. Which means that death is present, but it cannot kill you unless you activate it. By your disobedience. Disobedience, disobedience to my word activates death. It's like a light switch. It's like there, there is, if, if we switch, off, switch on all the lights, darkness is present. All we need to do is switch all the lights off, then darkness will be here. And it was the same thing with death. Death was present but it wasn't switched on. It was switched off. Disobedience was the thing that switched it on. Now the next question is, what is the power of death? What is the switch that switched it on? Because if we can find out what gave death power, let's go back to number one fear, most consistent fear in the world is the fear of death. If we can go back to that place where we no longer fear death's hold on us and the eternal consequence of it. If, if we can go back and figure out what gave death power, then we can depower 
death's grip on our lives. If we can remove that, then we can come to life with a completely different view. Where I'm no longer scared of dying. Because I know, even though I might pass away here, I know I'm going to be with my Father in heaven. So whatever death has um, as a stinger, if we can solve that problem, then death becomes dormant. And the power of death is removed. Now Paul writes in the Bible, and Paul understands exactly, the good news is we just have one of those ants which is falling from the sky. Um, they, they are fixing the problem uh, fall on my neck, and I didn't creep out at all. I'm just saying, it, did, it almost went down my shirt very close, but I got it before that happened. Thank God. Um, so, Paul, Paul understood something. Paul understood that if I cause death to that ant right now, he understands that Jesus Christ solved the death problem on the cross. Paul understands this. He writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Meaning, death, you used to have a hold on me. Death, where is your victory? And he continues, he says, Oh, death, where is your sting? You used to be able to hurt me. It's like a bee. None of us embrace a bee sting. We try to get away from it. He's saying, There's, you like a bee that has no stinger anymore. So Paul is talking about the fact that death has been defeated. But now, how was death defeated? Because for us to understand Easter and understand what, who we are as Christians, we must understand how was death defeated and what does it mean for us? So this brings us back to the question, where did death get that power from? So in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, it says, The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. So with death was a bee. The stinger is sin. And the power that gives the stinger the effectiveness of hurting somebody was the law. So please note, I want you to get this. Death gets its power from sin. That's where death gets its power from. So, so death really was given life by us because of our sin. And if we can take that away, what gave death power, if we can remove sin, we can make death powerless again. We can put death back to the state where it's dormant and we won't fear it anymore. So the key to destroying death's hold on our lives is to take away the power that it has. Sin gave life to death. Therefore, sin brought death to life. That means Death was given power by sin. If we can remove sin, death releases its power. That's why we celebrate Easter. And I know some of you still don't get it yet, so just stick with me. Don't fall asleep yet. I know after a meal, I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. But please stay with me. I'm here this morning. A big part of this message is the hope to take away your fear of death and the eternal hold that it has on you. And the only way for me to do that to you is to announce to you what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And if we understand that, we become powerful people. 
It's important to understand that the power of death is sin, and therefore without sin, death has no power. Disobedience. If we can get rid of sin, if we can get rid of disobedience, but the problem is we are sinners. All of us. There's not one person in here that tell me that he's never thought wrong, spoken wrong, acted wrong, been dishonest, maybe a little bit of a gossiping, maybe not in this church, you know, backstabbing, cheating, lying, deceiving, not honoring our wives, our husbands. I don't think there's one of us in here that can say, listen, we, we haven't fallen short. We haven't messed up before. The problem is you and me, we are sinners. So you cannot take away the power of death. Remember, the power of death is sin. What, get, what gives death power? Sin. But if we are sinners and sin is the reason death has power, it means that we cannot remove the power of death. In our lives. And we give it power through disobedience. I've heard people say to me, Andreas, please explain to me why a man had to die. If God is so sovereign, if God is so mighty and so powerful, why didn't he just wave his hand and just save everyone that way? Why didn't God just do that? Well, because God himself established the very nature of man's relationship with death. God is the one that determined how we are going to relate to death. What gives death power? God is the one who determined that. It's God who told man that if you eat from the tree, that you will surely die. So God therefore becomes the judge and the jury of a guilty people. When we disobey Him. See, when God said, the day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. The day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. Now, I want to see if you can identify if you are part of this. He was speaking to a human. God was speaking to a human being. The day you eat from it, you will surely die. The day you eat from it, Adam, you are activating something in this world that will remain there. Because once it's been activated, now we are sinners in this world and we are continually giving death power. So we want to remove that stinger from death, but we can't do it. Now in Genesis 2, the Lord God commanded the man and he said to the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. God commanded the man, man, you are free to eat. The word man there is made out of two words in the Hebrew. The first word in the Hebrew is the word humas. Humas means dirt body, flesh, made of dirt. So humas is the first word. The second word there is the word ish, means spirit. So that's the word human, the word man that we read. So when God said to the man, to the human, he was, he was speaking to a dirt body, us, with a spirit in it. That is a human. Humas ish. That's us. He wasn't speaking to an animal. wasn't speaking to a tree. He was speaking to us. 
So the word in Genesis means us. So God has to keep His word. The day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. Why doesn't God just wipe it all away? Because God said, you will surely die. And if God breaks His word, the whole world dissolves. Because everything was created by His word. And God cannot lie and go back against what He has said. So it had to be a man. A man had to die. Not an animal, not an angel, not just the spirit, but a spirit in a human body, a humus-ish. Now this statement is very important. This is important because in order to solve the problem of man's disobedience, not listening to God, disobeying God's instruction that gave us life, a man had to die and not a goat. I want to say this, not a bull, not a lamb. Those were substitutes that lasted for moments. The reason it had to be a man was because that's what God said. A man had to die. A man had, a man to solve the death sin problem, a man without spot and blemish. A man without sin had to die to pay the price of death, to remove its stinger means a man with no sin had to die. And I want to say this again, a man to, there's a, there's a price that has to be paid. Death, we all humans, we owe a debt to death. All humans. And because we are sinners, we can't pay that debt. We owe debt something, death something, but we can't pay it. So a man, in order to settle the death's account, the payment for that account, it's not just a man who, who's a sinner, doesn't pay it off. It's not just a bull that we sacrificed, doesn't pay it off. It's a man with no sin, is the only one that can settle the account of death's hold. A man with no sin. Now that's good news of Easter. God loves you so much that He refused to kill you. But not only that, you can't settle the debt. But He had to kill a man. He had to kill somebody to settle the debt of death. So God decided, I will become a man myself because I love you so much. And to make sure that I keep my word, which I gave to Adam and Eve and to the devil, where I said that your head will be crushed by what comes out of her womb. There will be a son born that will crush your head and that will settle the account of death. No man can do it, so, so I will go myself. In Hebrews 2.14, it says the following, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken, inasmuch then as children have partaken in flesh and blood, we are flesh and blood, all of us. He himself likewise shared in the same. He became flesh and blood also. He became, you must 
ish, human. A dirt body with a spirit in it. God inside of a man. He became a man. Why? Because it had to be a man that had to die. That was the price that had to be paid to satisfy the justice of death. Hebrews 2, 14. Inasmuch then as we were children have partaken in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, listen, He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now notice, notice this. The devil doesn't own death, but he has the power of it. Because he convinced the two humans to, 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 in the Garden of Eden to disobey God's word and therefore, if I can convince them to disobey God's word, they will activate death because disobedience in the Hebrew is the word that is used for sin. Rebellion. Rebellion against what God said. So Satan has the power of death because it was handed to him by Adam and Eve, but he doesn't own it. He was the first to rebel. And we read that in the Bible, that he was the first to rebel against God. Sin in the Hebrew, I want to say again, is the word for rebellion. It means rebelling against God, going against his ways. He instigated the rebellion for Adam and Eve, and that rebellion led to death. So he became the instigator that brought the power, sin, that gave death power. So here is Jesus. Jesus is coming in the flesh. And if he could get rid of sin, rebellion, he can defeat death. And what does Jesus say? He says, not my will be done, but yours, O God. Not my will be done, but yours. He annihilates rebellion. And if he can do that, and he did, he will automatically get rid of the power that death has. In other words, Jesus had had to pull the stinger from the, D, uh, from the B. It's like, like pulling the, the power cord, switching the light off. And that's what Jesus wanted to accomplish for us over Easter. Christ did not struggle to come out of the grave. It wasn't like, I gotta get up now, it's three days. He did not struggle to come out of the grave. Because death could not find the power to keep him. Because he removed the stinger. He took away death's power. He took away sin. And that's why we celebrate Easter. You don't need to try to get rid of death. Just get rid of what gave death power, sin, in your life. To have everlasting life. That one day when you die and the people that comes to your funeral or to your celebration of life, they don't mourn like others mourn. They mourn because they're going to miss you, but they know that you have everlasting life. And we will see you again in heaven and you will recognize the people that were in your life. But if you do not have that in your life, if you do not have that certainty that when I die, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. If, if you had to die when you walk out of this building right now and a car drives over you and you passed away, do you have that certainty of knowing that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven? Do you have that settled in your heart? If not, death 
still has a hold on you. In John 10, 17, it says the following. The reason my father loves me is that I lay my life down. This is Jesus speaking. Only to take it up again. No one, and get this, I love this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This is so amazing. First of all, listen, where does death get its power from? Sin. Good, everybody with me. Where does death get its power from? Sin. Good. So if there's no sin, there's no power for death. Here's the problem with Jesus. Jesus had no sin. If there's no sin, there's no power for death. Jesus had no sin. Which means death has no sin on him. Death could not kill Jesus. Do you get that? Jesus could not die. That's why he said, I lay my life down. Death can't kill me because the power of death is sin. No sin, no power. Death can't kill me. That's why Jesus had to lay his life down. Uh, Look at the verse. He said, no man can take my life. I have to lay it down. So, so, So here's Jesus. I have to do something in order for death to kill me. Because death can't kill me as I am right now. Without sin. Death has no hold on me. It can't do anything to me. There's no sin. There's no power. Death, you are like in the Garden of Eden, present but useless. Jesus' body could not be touched by death. So Jesus said, I have to do something. Because since I have no sin, Death can't touch this. Dun, 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 can touch this. Thank you. Everybody from the 80s. <laughs> so death has no power over me. So I have to do something. But I can't just give death power because the only way death receives power, this is Jesus, the only way death receives power is by having sin in my life. I'm not going to disobey my God. I'm not going to disobey my Father. I'm not going to give death power in my life. But death needs sin. And I got none. And some of you are going, but how did Jesus die on the cross then? So glad you asked. So Jesus says, so I am going to go to earth, right? Because I want to save my children. And I'm going to find some sin, and I know there's a lot. And I will take it up on me. I will take the world's sin on me. I'm going to take it off them, and once it's off them, you can touch them. You can have a hold on them for eternity. I will be the substitute. So 
their sin carrier on their behalf. So I will remove the sin from them and therefore death no longer has power over them. So that when we die, we now have the surety that death no longer has a hold on us to keep us down. The reason we celebrate Easter is because of that. Jesus fooled death completely. The resurrection morning was the most embarrassing morning for death and the devil. Paul says, if he didn't rise from the grave, who we are and what we are, we are still defeated. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, if he didn't rise on Easter, um, on, on, on um, Good Sunday, not Good Sunday, Good Friday, on Sunday, Easter Sunday, if he didn't rise from the grave, we will still be defeated. We will still be stuck in the grave. When we die, we will not be able to go into heaven yet. Why? Because death, right now, without Jesus, the power of death is sin. If your sin is still on you, death still has power over you, which means it can hold you down. Verse 18, Jesus said the following, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up. I have no sin, so death has no power over me. So no one can take my life from me. Some scriptures, just to back it up, some of you are going, Whoa. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave His life as a ransom for us. In other words, Christ didn't die for Himself. He died for you and me. Hebrews 9.22, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus' blood was shed for our forgiveness. Romans 3.25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. His blood is shed on my behalf. I have to receive the shedding of His blood by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness, to demonstrate His right standing with God. That's how He defeated death. It says, He was a sacrifice and He atoned for all our sins. Death was stupid when it killed him. Because death lost its right on you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin. No sin means death has no power. To be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. God had to collect all the sin, your sin, your sin, my sin, all of our, all the sin in the world. Death was aiming right at you because you have sin in your life. And Jesus took everything that was aimed at you. He said, I take the whole world's sin and I'm going to die for it. Means I'm going to remove the stinger of death for the whole world. 
the power of death is sin. So if sin gives death power, then the destruction of sin is victory over death. Easter, Jesus risen. The resurrection is proof that the sin problem has been solved. It says that Jesus went into Hades and he opened up the gates. And it says that the, the dead rose with him when he ascended into heaven. Do you know why they were captive there? Because sin was still a problem. But because Jesus paid for the sin, death could no longer hold them down. And the dead ascended into heaven for the first time because someone took their sin and said, death, you no longer have a hold. So the Easter, this Easter for us, according to the Bible, it says that Jesus, Jesus is the evidence that showed us that sin's power has been destroyed. Death has been defeated. A humus man, a humus ish has died on our behalf. Perfect without spot and blemish. But in order for him to die, he had to take all our sins, your sins, my sins, because he had none of his own. But in order for him to die, he had to take our sin upon him so that death could kill him. But now sin's death has been settled. And that means death has lost its power. Listen, I don't, you might not think this. This is the greatest message about the resurrection, like ever. This is the greatest news there is for you and me. We no longer have to fear the hold of death in our lives. All you have to do is accept the one who said, I will take your sins upon me so that your debt can be paid. But you have to accept Him. And once you accept Him as your payment, it means you are free. And the enemy has no longer a hold on you. Man, that is... I, I hope you get why Easter had to be Easter. Why did a man have to die? Because there was, there was a debt that had to be paid. What was the debt that had to be paid? Sin had to be paid. How did death get power? Death got power because of sin. Jesus had no sin. Now, how can a man with no sin die if death is only activated by sin? The only way he could die is to take somebody else's sin upon himself. So he took all your sin, placed it on him. Now he's gonna pay Death's debt. And he does. He pays the debt. But the problem is he has no sin of his own. So death lost its power. Yours, your decision today is to say, Jesus, I want to accept you. Not because I want to step into a religion. Not because um, I know everything about you. But I want to accept you because I believe that you paid for my sin. And therefore, death no longer has an eternal hold on me. That was what, that's what Jesus established for us in Easter. This is the most powerful thing for Christianity. Without that, we have nothing. This morning, if you're sitting here and you've never said yes, Jesus, I receive you as the one who paid for my sins. 
The one who took my debt that I had with death, because every single one of you had a debt. You owe death something because you are a sinner. If you've never accepted Jesus in saying, Jesus, you know what? I accept you as the one who's paying for my outstanding balance with death. I want to invite you to do it today. Don't waste time. There's no actions. There's no specific prayer you have to pray. There's no, nothing that you have to change in your life first before you do it. There's none of that. It's a simple prayer of saying, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, as the one who sacrificed your life for me so that I can be free from the hold that death had on me. It's a decision that you make and say, Jesus, I accept you. So I want to ask to, to help people, because I know there's, going to be, there's people here that, that maybe you feel, um, you don't want to feel exposed or feel awkward, but this is not an awkward moment. This is a fantastic moment in your life. So I want to ask everybody just to close their eyes. Close your eyes. And, and I, I really want you to, to think now where you are right now. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who has paid for your sins, the one who has defeated death and defeated the devil, you haven't accepted his payment for you in your life and you want to accept him this morning and say, Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I don't know a whole lot yet about you, God. I don't know your Bible. I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to praise. I don't know any of those things, but I do know that, that, that you were good and I know that you laid down your life for me and I know that you paid for my sins on the cross. And because I know that, I want to accept you as my Savior. And I want to confess you as God and Lord. If that's you, all I want you to do is you can just raise your hands very quickly and you can take it down again. I just want to see if there's somebody here that we can pray with you. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. Fantastic. Awesome. I want to say again, you don't have to know everything about God. You don't have to know... You have the perfect understanding. This is not about you having a calculated decision that you are making. This is about you knowing there's something that's speaking to you on the inside of your heart right now that's saying, I'm speaking to, I'm speaking to you. I paid for you. I paid for your sins, for your mistakes, for your failures. And when you accept me, you have the certainty of knowing that when you die, you will be with me in heaven. If you haven't said yes to Jesus before, and you want to say yes to Him today, just raise your hands quickly and you can take it down again. I just feel that there's one more person that needs to, to respond. I know God's speaking to your heart. I want to ask everybody to please pray with me. We have some hands that went up this morning that accept Christ as the Lord and Savior, which means, which is amazing. It means that your sin that's been on you for the most of your life, all of your life, has now been placed on Christ. Not because it hasn't been there before, but you have for, for the first time acknowledged that someone else died for all your sins. And therefore, it means that you are free from the power that death used to have over you. You are completely free from that. doesn't mean that you're not going to die one day. But what it means is when you die, you're going to spend eternity with God. And that's fantastic news. 
So let's pray together. Everybody, please pray with me. Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for all my sins on a cross so that I can be free from the sins that I've committed. Jesus Christ, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins so that I can be free from death's hold. Love you, Lord. Father God, I thank you for everybody here. And I pray that um, this word that was spoken this morning, Father, will, will impact their hearts so that we can understand, have a greater understanding why we celebrate you dying on a cross. It wasn't just the Savior dying on a cross, somebody laying down his life. There was a debt that had to be paid. And thank you that we can understand that, that you who had no sin became sin for us so that we can be free from death's eternal hold and that the enemy will never hold us down again. We love you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, for those of you that, that raised your hand, I want to encourage you after the service, please come to one of our prayer team here at the front. Allow them to pray with you. Um, just to, to stand with you and just to confirm what God has said in your heart so that you are able to take the next steps as you move closer in your relationship to Him. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.